Today's session is going to start with a conversation with Naga Mansuraswamy, managing partner and founder at Idea Spring Capital. Welcome, Naganan. It's great to have you here. I look forward to getting to know you. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Ramana. And I'm very happy to be part of your 567th edition of your uh, uh, weekly. <laughs> and it's awesome to see that number. And can't believe you have been doing it for that long. And you'll continue to do it for much longer and hit the thousand mark soon. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. So, um, Naganan, let's start by having you introduce yourself as well as Ideaspring to our audience, uh, and I'll ask you questions along the way to get more, uh, you know, to double click down on points that uh, that we should elaborate on. Cool, cool. So, uh, so I I grew up in Bangalore uh, and did my undergrad here in computer science, and came to US in '89 uh, to do my masters in Virginia Tech. And post my master's, uh, went moved up to Boston uh, and worked for various technology companies. Started with Tech in the distributed systems group, then joined FTP Software, where I wrote the first implementation of IP security for Windows uh, uh, Windows 95 and Windows NT. Then I was with uh, Bay Networks, where I was working in the architecture lab, uh, working on the next generation internet architectures. Uh, out of which we also developed a core router for Bay Networks because at those days Bay didn't have a core router. So we did that and obviously implemented MPLS as well uh, as part of that. And then the startup journey started uh, in 1999, was a founding uh, member of a startup which was building a 1.6 terabit long haul optical transmission system. 2003. What was that? Which one was that? Uh, so that, that company was called Photonex, V-H-O-T-O-N-E-X. Uh, it was started yep. by a couple of scientists from MIT Lincoln Labs and my manager from uh, Nortel, which was which acquired Bay. So I was there for, you know, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had some 15 PhDs from MIT working on the optics side and a bunch of us on the engineering side. So it was it was great learning experience and it was great to work on that product. We got the product to the market, but unfortunately, as you know, 2003, the entire telecom market imploded. So we had to leave. Yeah you know, close the company down and uh, post that I was trying to do one more startup in the fixed mobile convergence space. Of course, the funding was hard, so tried it for a year, couldn't raise money. So then, uh, for whatever reason, multiple different reasons, moved back to India in 2005. We had our own company where we were doing a lot of product development and uh, I joined my own company at that time. And we, you know, fortunately, there was an inbound inquiry from a Norwegian company called EDB to acquire us. So we sold part, some part of the company in 2007 and the rest in 2012. Uh, so we exited that successfully, financially successfully. And post that is when, you know, was trying to figure out what next uh, because I had to do a couple of more years post the acquisition. And as you know, the Indian startup market was very attractive. And, you know, since moving back to 2005, I was very actively involved. One of the things I realized that was that did not exist is there was really no investors to invest in early stage product innovation companies. I didn't know if you look at what is happening in India in those days, 2010 to 2016, 15, 16, a lot of companies uh, that are getting funding, which are business innovation, AKA B2C, but there are not many funds looking at early stage uh, enterprise companies. And my background was all enterprises and, you know, and I was not uh, going to do one more startup after that longer period in, on, in being an entrepreneur, quite hard. And I also have this policy that money without mentoring or mentoring without money, both are useless because you need to give money and particularly in early stage also help entrepreneurs in their journey. And 
having been an entrepreneur for for nearly 20 years i thought that's the best thing i could do you know raise some money and not only give the money to entrepreneurs but really help them in their journey particularly in the early part of their journey helping them find the product fit helping them get the product messaging and then helping them build for global scale and so we kind of said we'll do a fund which will not only give money but also spend a lot of time so we don't do more than four four or five companies a year but give us give all we have uh, to be with the entrepreneurs we are very clear we don't want to take any operational role uh, because we believe entrepreneurs should do that but be available to them to be able to uh, help them and mentor them in all these various areas that I just mentioned. So that's that's when we started fund, a small fund. See, we didn't want to do a large fund because if you do a large fund, you know, the thesis change. You know, as we talk more, I'll talk about the thesis. So it's been a great journey. We invested in 16 companies in fund one and currently uh, we are doing fund two. Fund one was $20 million and fund two looking at doing a $35 million, 35 to $40 million fund two. You know, that's that's where we are. And it's been a great okay. job. It's been having lots of fun. And all in India, right? Your geography focus is completely India. Yeah, so so the preference is obviously in India. We have done a couple. Uh, in fund one, we invested in a couple of valley-based uh, startups as well. And the reason we did that was we found a couple of partners who were working very closely with entrepreneurs, like the same philosophy that we have, but in valley. But all those guys had the Indian operations. All the product was being developed in India. So we, you know, we helped on the Indian side, and they helped with the entrepreneur. The reason we like to, we don't want to invest in uh, in in companies outside of India is for the stage we come in. Really, you got you got to be close to uh, uh, to the founders to to be uh, to help them to be answer, you know to be available for them. And if you really invest in a, a, a company in the U.S., you really can't add a whole lot of value. And hence, we believe that. For the stage we come in, it is always better to be investing in entrepreneurs in India. And that's the only reason that we, we have a very strong preference to invest uh, in startups based out of India. So um, what what is the check size that you like to write that allows you to do this kind of early stage investing? Yeah. So <clears throat> when we started the first fund, Ramana, we kind of said, Anywhere around 500 to 750k, that's the first check that we would write. Uh, that would help the entrepreneurs to get to a point where they could show some revenue and then look at a three mil race. Uh, and then we would participate with another 500k in the first, uh, following the first round. So we are, our target was about 1.25 mil per company. Obviously, the second fund is double the size of the first fund. So we're looking at 2.5 total per company. And the first check can be anywhere from 750k to 1.75 uh, mil depending on the stage of the company and what is the requirement, who else are we funding with and so on and so forth. So we give in a second fund, we are doing large, bigger because for two reasons. Once, one, we realized that our companies needed a little bit more runway to show the traction that would be necessary to raise the next round. So we're giving them more money. And also, uh, we have, you know, we thought uh, taking a little bit of you know, 1.25 was too small an amount for us to take some um, in decisions in companies that more money. So, so we are doing like now in second fund, we are saying 2.25 to 2.5 mil per company. The first check being 750k to 1.75 mil, depending on the stage. But we kind of cap it at 2.5 per company. So let's let's double click down on the first check and the stage at which you like to come in. So, what uh, you're doing deep tech? Are you are you signing? You know, concept checks. Are people coming to you to fund concepts, or do you want to see some amount of work done? And what what do you want to see before you're willing to write a check? 
Yeah, so our preference is to invest in a company which has at least some POC or pilot going, right? The reason we like to do it is, otherwise for the amount we give, if they have to start from scratch, uh, then it will really not pan out because they will not be able to uh, develop enough of the product or show enough traction in the market to raise the next round. So our preference hence has been always to look at companies where the founders have spent, like say six to nine months in developing the product, having some early conversations with potential uh, prospects, right? We don't expect them to have revenue, but at the same time, mm -hmm. we don't want to invest in a, in a concept because because it takes too long and the, for the kind of money we give, I don't, you know, we're not sure if they'll be achieved what is required to raise the next one because one metric we definitely look at when we invest in companies is when do they have to do the next round and for the right. next round to happen, what is the traction they need to see? Because in you no, know, at least today, if you want to do a three to five mil next round, you need to have some revenues, right? 500 to 750K, uh, preferably uh, hitting closer to a mil. Uh, so today is a five mil check. So we just want to make sure that we balance that with the amount of money uh, we give them. In, 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 uh, in fund one, we only invested in one company in the concept stage. Uh, and we wrote a very small check uh, for the founder to kind of translate that into um, into into something that is tangible, so that you know we could do the next round, and that's still going on. But the most the most preferred one is to come in pre-revenue, but where we can see something uh, the product working. And um, your assumption in the check that you write leading up to the three to you know three million plus Series A, let's say. Uh, what is your assumption that customers that this you're doing deep tech and enterprise facing deep tech is the assumption that the customer is going to be in India or is the customer somewhere else what's what is what what are you seeing what is the assumption based on which you're working actually if you look at our portfolio it's it's been a combination right uh, I think it really uh, depends on the kind of product uh, that uh, our our companies are building. So if it's a you know SaaS, true SaaS, where the annual uh, uh, revenue per customer is you know anywhere up to 15k, uh, then it is easy to uh, get customers both in India and the US. But if you are crossing 25, 30k per year, then it's hard to uh, convert those customers in the US. So then you know we initially get a lot of traction in India. And then potentially before you go to the funding, at least have some conversations going with prospects in the US because what happens is obviously since all the next round of investors know that you would have to expand in the US and that's a requirement in most of the cases that in enterprises, it's still a hard market in India and it is very hard to build a scalable company yeah. just out of, out, just in India, you know, particularly for just a B2B. If you're B2B to C, then, then there is enough market in India for you to expand. But if it's just B two B, then growth, uh, the growing uh, uh, is becomes very hard. You know, you know, you can hit five mil, but beyond that, growing to ten. Yeah, no. In general, our observation is that all deep tech companies out of India, B two B enterprise facing deep tech companies out of India, are going to be global companies. Even yes. the non B two B face, uh, non enterprise facing, this SMB facing B two B is going to be global most likely. But yes. I guess the, what we are also seeing though is people can validate with customers in India, so they can get a dozen customers, get the product validated, get some revenue, get to maybe even one million ARR before coming out to 
the valley or to America in general. So, um, and, and especially in COVID, because you were asking whether I'm meeting people or not, I think the entrepreneur love the fact that people are willing to buy without meeting them nowadays. And that yeah. has really been a benefit for, uh, for startups. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, to, to your point, uh, the sales uh, mechanisms have changed considerably. Uh, but but I would say that yeah, anywhere up to 350k, you still can do it. But once you start crossing that, then you know the sales process still is very different. But fortunately, for most of our companies, uh, you know you're not targeting large enterprises. There's only there are a couple of uh, companies in our portfolio where you're targeting large enterprises, and those those sales are hard to come by. You know, even in today's world, you know, not being there in the US, it's hard for to convert those when you're selling to say Fortune 100 or Fortune 250 companies. And that's not an easy sale to, to be made. But if you sell to SMEs, then I think, uh, you know, it's a golden age to sell remotely uh, and they don't care very yeah. as long as they are able to. So that's what we've been seeing. So, you know, and to your point, yeah, I mean, it's, it's India is an awesome uh, playground for people to get their product validated, validated and also get to 500, 750K revenue because the good news is, uh, you know, the environment is the same, right? You know, AWS is where you're going to be, you're deploying your product, whether India or US or anywhere else in the world. So the environment in which you're deploying uh, your products are, are very similar, number one. And number two, when you uh, when you are selling to Indian customers, you know, which is which is MNCs, many times MNCs are your customers, they become referrals to other parts of the world so that they become the gateway uh, to the rest of the world. So I think that's another thing that is working to our advantage. And fortunately for us, out of the top Fortune 100 companies, 80, 85 of them have their offices in India. So, so I think that's a big plus. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, even though you're selling in India, sold to MNCs, but when you st start selling in the US, they said, do you have any US customers in the US, right? So the fact that you're sold to the offices in, in India, you know, it helps a little bit, but it's still, it's still a, a, a fresh sale uh, when yeah. you hit the market. So that's still a challenge. Now, um, talk about some of the um, companies that you've invested in that, and, and at what stage did they come to you? What did you see that made you want to write the check? Yeah, like I said, uh, if you look at uh, our fund one, uh, out of 16 companies, we invested 12 were pre-revenue, right? And, uh, and, and, and the founders come to us in various stages. So our investment cycle uh, has varied anywhere from three months to a year, right? When I say a mm -hmm. year, reason being uh, founders have come to us, they have a business model, they have a product, but we tell them, look, you know, we think it has to be a little different. If you agree with us, we'll, we are willing to work with you. No strings attached. Uh, and, you know, if you once you get that going, if you want to take money from us, take money from us. Otherwise, you know, you can go find new investors because we do love working with the entrepreneurs and it's not every day now. You don't, we're not saying, oh, if I work with you, you have to take money from me. We don't have that kind of an attitude because... 20% of our time we want to give back to the, to the ecosystem, right? So, so hence the, the duration has changed significantly depending on the stage the entrepreneurs come to us with, right? In, in a couple of cases, they came in early, they said, look, we said we can't invest you at this time, but we will help you in your journey, give you customer connect so you can talk to potential prospects, potential customers. We will give you our thoughts. Uh, we will work with you uh, in, in evolving your idea. So, we do that, we, we kind of stay in their journey. And when they are ready, when we believe they have something tangible is when we would put the money. So, you know, it has been a complete spectrum of uh, uh, time when we have invested in the company. And what do we look for in the entrepreneurs? I guess, you know, 
one we definitely in any company that we invest uh, if one of the founders is not implementing the product then we are not investing very clear on that because we are investing in tech and tech is the mode and and i don't think we can invest in a in a, in a in a group of founders where one person is not willing is is not building the product right so that is what we look for number one number two obviously uh, but in deep tech that that kind of table stakes isn't it because how else are you going to do a deep tech company if you're not one of the technology yeah so it when i say deep tech you know deep tech is a very relative i mean i i consider product innovation more than deep tech right so uh, so deep tech has a different connotation so the term i use more than deep tech is product innovation so where you are building thing yeah. it doesn't need necessarily need to be deep tech to because you know, in my portfolio you know, deep tech to me is a confluence of where your multiple different disciplines coming in right like for example one company in my portfolio which i consider deep tech is simyog where they are building uh, a simulation uh, to catch emi emc issues early on in the design cycle you know a, prof, a professor from iisc you know confluence of physics electrical engineering and and and, and uh, mathematics right so i think that to me is deep tech many companies uh, in my portfolio are great product companies but i don't know if i can categorize them as deep tech right so in those cases you still could potentially the founders could have a great product idea but one of them you know, none of them might be implementing that you know if it's deep tech yes but if it's product innovation it's a borderline so that's why in our case we look for that very closely uh, you know if one founder is not building the product then obviously will not invest that, that's number one number two we always look for also do they have the domain knowledge you know there is two different ways to look at it it sometimes they say it is better to not have any domain knowledge because then you can be a disruptor but you know we go with the with the thought process that you need to have domain knowledge because the reason we say that is you also come in with some customer connects so that you can deploy you know get some initial experience of product deployment through your connects because as we know the first few sales always happens because of connects whether we bring it to the table or the entrepreneurs have because of their previous uh, uh, jobs or journey in, in their life so that becomes very important third one like i said before for the money we give you for the money you are raising now where are you going to be in in by the time you want to raise the next round of capital and for that do you have can you generate enough traction right and that's the third thing we look for and the fourth one as being a small fund we want to ensure that we have visibility for 10 to 15 mil in revenue right the reason i say that is uh, in you know one of the theses we have in the fund is enable sub 100 mil exits for product innovation companies in india right and if you want to get a 70 to 100 mil exit you should have 10 to 15 mil in revenue so that's what our focus is you know we we don't like unlike some large funds we don't say okay can you become a 100 million dollar revenue company we have we have a, our goal is can you become a 10 to 15 million dollar company so with that and with great technology or always a potential acquisition target we are not saying you will be acquired but get to that point and once you get to that point our belief is then create options yeah you are you have an option you either go series b and go all the way for ipo or if you believe uh, the market is still not huge you are being uh, being part of another larger company is better for you then find that fit and then you know you can make a m&a to that company right so that folk becomes really important uh, in in the journey of the company in the journey for the entrepreneurs and we we stay with the, with our companies till that point and then you know if they go series b path obviously our fund is not something that can participate in that kind of a journey so then we'll take a call whether we should exit or exit partially and stay with the rest or you know that's a call we take 
But if we decide that it is better to exit along with the, um, with the founders, then that's when we help the founders to exit the company. That's, that's our thesis. Now, um, in pursuing this thesis, by the way, I'm very much with you in this thesis. I, I actually believe that the vast majority of exits, no, I don't believe, I, I observe. <laughs> the vast majority of exits are sub 50 million and definitely sub 100 million. So, so I, and for small funds, I think it's a very good opportunity to do what you're doing. Now, what is your analysis of the maximum amount of capital that you want to raise to support that thesis? So let's say you exit at that, after that series A point, you're putting in somewhere between 500K to 1.5 million, let's say, and then another $3 million, $4 million round. So are we talking five to seven million maximum capital in, yeah? Yes. Yes, five to eight million. You know, in five to eight million, I think you should be able to uh, get to that point. And and our thought process is: look, uh, for enterprise companies to hit eight to, we are saying four to seven years it'll take us to get them to eight to ten million revenue, depending on various aspects, right? But that's kind of the window that we look at. Um, and then if you're able to do it, and should be able to do it, raising five to eight mil. You know, that's kind of what we believe is a it's a right uh, it's a balance. Wow. So you're, you're, you know, the venture, the traditional venture window is $100 million in five to seven years and, and a lot more capital, obviously. You're saying you want to go from, uh, in four to seven years, you're going to go to 10 to $15 million yeah, in revenue. I, 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 I find it, yeah, I find it very hard how somebody can get to 100 mil starting from ground zero, right? You know, uh, if you're starting without, I'm talking zero revenue, you know, where, 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 where we come in. Uh, because the typical numbers even people say is three 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 two two right you know that's how we multiply there might be outliers uh, but typically you know in a, in a, if you take a real case you know three 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 two x is considered extremely good in in saas and even in that case you you know you get to 10 million five years uh, so you know that's that's the kind of numbers that people usually track so 100 mil in five years they're outliers you know it's it's not but obviously there that, that's why at the beginning you know unicorns were supposed to be outliers yeah, yeah but nowadays it's become unicorns have become like an everyday feature and and people are just pumping money and and getting a billion dollar valuation and calling them unicorns my definition of unicorn is you do go at this hyper space uh, uh, hyper pace go to you know, in five to seven years, you go to 100 million in, in revenue, and then you get a revenue-based valuation. That is a real unicorn. These other guys are all fake unicorns, in my opinion. No, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you to a, to a certain extent, because if you're raising 250 mil and 300 mil, and then, uh, you know, giving away whatever equity in the company. a unicorn, whatever. Yeah, I think, right. I think it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it's hard to predict, but there will be some corrections, I would assume. Around around this going forward, uh, I know you already has started seeing some corrections in in the beginning of 2022, uh, and I think you'll see some more corrections happening. But you know, I I I think probably I'm old-fashioned, so look at I look at more revenue than anything else uh, because I think that's how the companies can sustain. Uh, because if you're dependent on uh, raising capital to survive, it's a dangerous uh, game to play, particularly in the enterprise. Yeah, so you know. Have you seen exits already? You've been at this for a while now, so you must have yeah, seen exits yeah, already. Yeah, 
yeah we have gotten rid of you know we exited three companies early on for various reasons so one to ibm one to byju's and one to I, another company chicago and i manage but now we we are at a point where like i said we are starting to head you know five five of our portfolio are doing more than two and a half three mil and now we are you know, like i said it, it takes time and patience to get them to eight to ten mil uh, so we are now looking at some exit there's one other exit that's happening uh, which we'll announce next month where we are getting we are doing a 10x return in two years you know which is awesome uh, so you know so we are seeing that happen uh, but we are patient capital we stay stay with the entrepreneurs for that period that is required because you know building startups from india trying to sell into the us is not an easy game um, you know we are all getting better at it uh, and if you look at uh, what the entrepreneurs have were doing five years ago in India and what they are doing today, it's, it, there's a phenomenal difference in their ability to sell, in their ability to market, and ability to yeah. build products with great user experience. Right? Because those are the three things that we lacked. We were very good technically; we could build a product, but really not with great user user experience, and not having the ability to sell. Right. Uh, so I think we have learned all that. The solid uh, group of uh, playbooks that are being built uh, that entrepreneurs are sharing amongst themselves. So I think I think it's progressing really really well, and next next decade will be really fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure uh, hearing you and and getting to know about your work and Idea Spring. I look forward to keeping in touch, and I look forward to working with you on something soon. Absolutely, look forward. And thanks for having me on your uh, show, and you know, really enjoy talking to you. Thank you. Thanks for coming.